Good day and welcome to the CFAL Talks podcast. I trust all is well. We at Kalina Financial Advisors Limited welcome you and thank you for joining us. My name is Claudia Thompson and I will be your host for this series. Today I have with me our CFAL experts, Pamela Musgrove Ferguson, Vice President of Investments, and Sophia Thurston, Vice President of Pensions and Operations. I'm sure we can all agree that saving is essential to achieving financial security and is also crucial to our overall well-being. Financial stress causes a multitude of problems. The goal of this series is to help listeners understand the importance of saving towards financial freedom and to help people develop a plan that will secure their financial future. Our experts will give tried and true methods that will lead to financial freedom, even in the midst of the present economic crisis. Our first question is, can you discuss short-term versus long-term when it comes to saving? So um, as a rule of thumb, short-term investment is less than a year. Then we have medium-term, that's over a year, so that's say about five years, and then long-term is over five years. Um, short-term to me really means like a savings account, emergency fund, and long-term is what, like a pension, you would say? A pension plan or national insurance, or would you even consider national insurance in that, or is it more just your pension? I think the pension. So if you're doing a short-term investment, let's say you want to save towards the down payment for a car or some furniture or some big purchase item, then you would want those funds to be invested short-term because short-term investment carry least risk. So you may use a bank account to save those money because you don't want a volatility, you, want, you don't want volatility in those investments. So if you're saving for a down payment and you put it in some equity investment that maybe the next month it increased by 12%, but by the time you need the funds, which is less than a year, it declines by 12, 20%, then it will defeat the purpose of the goal to saving towards that particular item. So short-term investment, less risk. Longer-term investment, they carry more risk. The return, the, the returns tend to be higher. So if you have a longer term towards, let's say for retirement, you can take the volatility, the up and down in investments to achieve your goal because you have a long, longer term to save towards. Well, that leads into the next question, which is risk versus reward when it relates to saving and investing. So what do you look for with risk versus reward when deciding what to do with your savings? Well, we tell clients and that there's a direct correlation between risk and reward. Now, I'm going to use an example to explain this. I remember back in 2007, just before the great financial crisis in 2008, 2009, and so our balance fund did about 27%. And our bond fund, which is a more conservative strategy, did like about 6.03% thereabout. And the balance fund, it's a balanced strategy. So we have equities, which is considered the risky investments, fixed income, the more conservative type investments. And then we had um, cash. So it was 45% equities, 45% fixed income, and 10% cash. So a kind of moderately conservative portfolio. And so in the pension, in our pension plans, we had a lot of persons after they got their returns for 2007, uh, they were saying that they liked that 27% and they wanted to do a change 
in investment strategy. We allowed them to do it on an annual basis for most of the pension plan. And so a lot of them took monies out of the conservative strategy and they placed it into the balanced strategy that had that 27% return. So the balance fund is considered a low risk as well or a moderate risk? or Moderate, moderate. because it has equities and equities tend to be the more riskier type investments. And so 2008 was the beginning of the Great Recession. And so by March, persons started seeing some negatives on their portfolio, meaning that they had lost money. And so they started to panic. And so we had to do um, an extraordinary change by allowing persons not to wait for the year, but to change their investment strategy back into the conservative uh, strategy because they didn't like seeing the losses. So they did, the, the investors didn't understand the direct correlation between return and risk. So they saw 27%, but didn't understand that that associated with it a lot of risk or relatively high risk, whereas a more conservative strategy that didn't have any of the equities had a lower risk. And so we see them going back from the riskier investment into the more conservative investment. So risk and reward, there's a, there's a, there's a direct correlation. Also, when you look at investing, the, the other thing that affects your level of return and your level of risk for investment is the term to maturity. So if you have a shorter term investment, then those type of investment will carry less risk. But the return is also lower. So I go back to like a, a certificate of deposit, um, savings account, a money market fund. You will get lower returns because the time horizon is also lower. But if you're going up now into equities and speculative type investments like um, equity funds and real estate and, and um, derivatives and stuff, they tend to have a higher return potential, but the risk is also higher. So people need to understand that relationship between risk and return. And then risk is really, when you look at risk, it's just the volatility in your investment, the potential for going up and down. So it's a wider range, you're saying, of what could happen in a riskier investment? Yes. You can, you, over time, for instance, equities over time tend to produce higher returns, but there's volatility. And so the investor has to be um, clear about what's involved. And that's why it's so important to have your goals outlined, and then you can associate the level of risk with those goals and then choose the type of investment that meet your goals. So I mentioned, if you are saving for a shorter term, you don't want volatility in that investment. You want that investment to be invested relatively safe so that when the time comes, those monies are there um, to use. So talking about volatility, just so we're clear, if I came in with, say, $5,000 and I said, okay, put this in the balance fund that's a moderate risk fund, um, the 27% sounds wonderful. Does that mean that I could also lose money on that? Like I couldn't walk away with my $5,000? Is that what that means? Yes. And as the, as the example I gave, uh, 27% in 2007, but at the beginning of 2008, we started to lose money. So we erased all of that 27% and we started to go into negative territory because the stock market, the local stock market was, was doing very... very um, Poorly. And when we talk about volatility, is one month it may be up, the next month it may be down. One, 
And so if you want more stable type return and don't want to deal with the stress of the up and down movement in the stock market, then we recommend more conservative type strategies. And that's risk. Okay, understood. I had a um, participant asked me a question in one of the presentations. They were comparing our, our balance fund that earned 1.58% for 2020 against another fund that also had a balanced strategy that earned 8%. And they were asking, you know, like, what would have been the difference? And so I think it's important also to understand what exactly is in the fund. Um, so our balance strategy has 45% equities, but they are all listed on BISEX. The other fund has some private equities that are not listed. And so when you look at risk, that fund would be more risky. So yeah, this year you might earn 8%, but next year, because of that private investment, that could all be wiped out, similar to how the 27% left, that could all be gone, and you could be in a negative. Um, so whereas our balance strategy has some equities, some bonds, and the equities that are there are listed on a stock exchange, it is not as risky as one that may just have just private equities. That's a good point because a lot of people just think of equities, not the different types of equities out there. So it's definitely worth speaking with someone before going down that road of risk taking. Just understand your tolerance for risk. Once you understand your tolerance for risk, then it will help you to determine which investment that you should be in. So you have persons, you, you, have, you may have a wealthy person who do not, do not like risk. Like, and so they may not want to invest in equities. doesn't matter that they have a lot of money, and if they lose those funds, it's no big deal. They just don't want it. They don't, they're not willing to invest in risky-type investments. And so you would put them in more conservative investments so that they're comfortable and they understand uh, their, the performance of their portfolio. So it's, better when, it's best whenever you're investing to understand what your tolerance to risk is and how you would react if your investment were to lose money. So would you both say that most clients are like to take risk or are they more conservative? You know, is there a certain type of person who likes to take risk or not? What, what has your experience been? I think generally speaking, Bahamians, anecdotally, are conservative investors. When they understand risk and, and, and return, the relationship between risk and return, I, I gave the example of how we had a flood of persons, you know, when they saw that 27%, there was no thought about risk the risk that to get that 27%. And so it was a matter of, I want to go move from conservative to a more aggressive strategy. But when they understood the risk involved and they started to lose money, they uh, moved back into the more conservative strategy. Our conservative strategy fund is about $300 million. And our balance strategy fund is maybe about 20 25 to 30 million dollars. So that gives you a picture <laughs> about how Bahamians feel. And even wealthy persons. Wealthy persons, I remember because I was around when we had the recession of 2001 or two. And so what happens when people get frustrated in the market is because you know, the market goes to peak and trough. So, you know, one. Um, season it's up, the next season is down, and then people tend to get frustrated and tired. They, they can't deal with all of this, you know, up and down. And so we had 
the 2001-2 recession. We had the 2007-2008 uh, recession, and now we're going through it again. And so some people, they just can't deal with, with all of those that volatility, so they tend to want to focus on the more conservative-type investments where you have a steady, stable return over a, a certain period of time. And in general, I mean, when persons look at their pension statements, they want to see it going up. They do not want to see negatives on that pension statement. So they get very concerned when there are negatives shown, and they call us immediately. I mean, I, I work in investments. I have a conservative strategy. Okay. <laughs> I have little I, to know. I was going to ask what your personal <laughs> investment strategy is. Yeah, I mean, I'm a conservative uh, type investor, and so I don't... I don't personally tend to invest um, in equities, whereas you know um, other persons would. That's just me. I I tend to, in terms of investing, I don't I don't go for get rich quick schemes. I tend to do slow and steady with a discipline towards saving monies over um, a certain period of time. Sophie, are you a risk taker or do you like conservative as well? I, I am definitely conservative. However, over the years, I have learned to take on a little bit more risk. I mean, I can remember when I first went in the bond, uh, global bond fund, which is more risky um, than our local investments, and that went down, I came out. <laughs> now, I'm in the global bond and the global equity. Right. So, so I'm, I'm getting there with the risk taking. But as I'm nearing retirement, definitely conservative. Okay, so calculated risk is the key. And I know some people have benefited because I, I always remember Cable Bahamas. And I think Sophie participated initially um, in Cable Bahamas. And those shares came out at a dollar. And those shares went up at one point to $14, $15. So for those who are able to take risk and those who are willing to take on the risk, then by all means, you know, you you should take it. But then there are persons who are not able to take the risk because they cannot take the volatility that they will lose their monies. And there are persons who are not willing to take on the risk. I said, find out where you fit on the spectrum and invest accordingly. And what would allow you to sleep at night, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what get-rich-quick schemes are out there? What would you tell people to be wary of? So some of the schemes, are the, I, the Ponzi schemes, the phishing schemes, um, and recently the Securities Commission has put information out there um, to protect people from the Ponzi schemes. I also consider gambling a, a get-rich-quick scheme. Um, persons feel, they always feel they're going to win. Um, and they lose, 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 and then they have that one win, and they think that's going to happen consistently, but then it doesn't. So I remember when we were on one cruise ship, um, and, you know, the entertainment person, he was saying the first thing, I, I know a lot of y'all came on here to gamble, but, you know, if you really don't want your money, just put it in an envelope and put it under my door. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. But what do you say to someone who says, no, I do win at gambling? You know, like, there are those people. If you have the discipline, then like with um, some portfolios that uh, take on risk, there should be a section of your portfolio. So let's say, for instance, you said, I'm going to take 5% of this investment. I'm going to put it into this risky type investment. Then if you win, it's good. And if you lose... You're not stressed 
It's not going to damage your financial position. So I say that to those who want to gamble. If you have the discipline to say, okay, I can afford these few dollars, and this is what I'm going to gamble with, and this is it. I'm not going to do it again until I get the other sums that I will do for the next month. If you have that discipline, then do it. But what you don't want is persons taking their salaries or a very large chunk of their salaries and using it to gamble, hoping to win monies. I always remember this scripture that is dear to my heart. Wealth gain hastily will dwindle, but little by little wealth increases. I remember one time, I, the first time I gambled. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good the story. The first time wow. I gambled was in high school. Junior school. My dad took us to the carnival. That's young, pal. Yeah. He took us to the carnival and he gave me $3. And it was one of those games where you had to, you know, throw the thing over and you, you would win something. And my $3 went to like $10, $12, right? And there was this thing in my mind, say, stop, stop, Pam. But I said, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. And... I started losing and then I wanted to make up. I said, okay, if I make up what I lost, to the, to, if I make up the $12, I'm going to stop. But I started to lose. And when I decided to stop, I was back down to the $3 that I had. And that lesson right there taught me at a young age, this makes no sense. So it's, it's, if you have the discipline to just walk away, because I got the $12, but I, when I started to lose, I wanted to get the $12 back and I would walk away from it. But I ended up, I, I made up my mind to stop at the $3 that he had given me when I started out with. And that's my, my lesson in gambling. And that's why I don't encourage it and I don't do it. But, but for those who want to use it recreationally, I said only set a certain sum of your income towards it. If you lose it, walk away. If you gain, fine, but never lose more than you put into it. Yeah, I think if you budget for it and you use it as a form of entertainment, so say if that's your thing that, you know, is fun for you, but I do see where it can get addictive. So I think that is the, the you know, the query that you have to be wary of um, with gambling. But with the get rich quick schemes, there are so many out there. Um, what... You know, what specific ones have you seen out there? Maybe something like the gold, the Forex, what's going on with all of that? I think it's the Forex. Um, and I, I think we've had um, one or two clients. I, I know a colleague sat with a client, well, a potential, not a client, a potential client, because they were allowing funds to be deducted from their credit card for, for the scheme. And she wanted to talk to somebody about it. And... She just wept when, when um, she was made to understand, you're not going to get this money back. And I was at a friend who, who did it as well. And they came to me when they wanted me to find out some information about the company and whether or not they can get their monies back. And I, I did it. And then when I was done and I told them that you're not going to get this money back. And I couldn't let that opportunity pass to ask them why. I'm right here. 
I am right here. But the psychology of what they do is for those who are at the beginning of the pyramid, so to speak, they give them monies. And that's an encouragement to continue and then to sell it to other people. And so that's what happened. They were, in, they were putting monies in and then they started to pay them. And then after a while, they just, they just disappear. So I think it goes back to that wealth gain hastily parable. It will definitely dwindle. And so people want to get rich quick, fast. But that's not what building wealth and saving and investment is about. It's about steady as she goes, investing, being disciplined, and watching your investments grow for you. And I, I always tell people, like, when, when they would come and ask about these schemes, whether it's the Forex, the gold, um, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably not the right thing for you to, to go in. You know, like, you, you, you really feel you can make all this money <laughs> this quickly. Mm -hmm. But so-and-so did it. You know, because that's what happens, like Pam says, with the Ponzi scheme. You mm -hmm. have the people at the top, and those first couple layers, the people get paid back. Mm -hmm. But now when you go and take the chance, everybody disappears. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's an added risk to part with your monies on the Internet. I mean, like, if you, if you, have, if you, if you give monies to a local institution here, then you may have some recourse. You may go to the police or to go to the regulators to get your funds. But you are putting money on the internet. You don't know where these people are. They're probably in, a, in, in some living room um, in their underwear, eating popcorn, drinking beer. <laughs> and then you gave your monies to them and they provide you with some statement to make it look. You have no way to verify if they even exist, if the company even exists. So I think that in itself, before you even get to what type of investment you are investing in, that in itself is a risk because your money just went. And you have no idea to determine if these people are legit. So when you, when you do that, I say to those who want to, to do that, again, only allocate a portion and don't go beyond that so that if you lose it, then you're still okay. You won't come to financial ruin. So Sophie, do you have a gambling story you want to share also? <laughs> None for me. I am not going on that course. What did you do on the cruise ship? Uh, the people want to know. The people want to know. No gambling. <laughs> no gambling. Okay, okay. So what books or programs would you recommend to people that are looking to learn the basics of saving and investing? Is there anything you would recommend that they start with, just something simple? Where would you tell them to go? So my two books, The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey and Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert T. Kajowski. And I think today, because we have so many different forms of learning. I mean, you don't have to be just with the books. Mm -hmm. So I know Dave Ramsey also has podcasts mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. YouTube. And so you could just listen and mm -hmm. learn. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people to, to, to listen to something positive and make a change in your life. I think for me, it would be The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. You know, it is said that Warren, that he was Warren Buffett's mentor. And he was a very successful investor in his own right. And so in his latter years, what he wanted to do was to somewhat simplify investing by making persons 
who wanted to understand more about investment, learning about it in a simplified way. And I say to those persons, even those persons who are about selling the Forex um, strategy, go and read up about investing because that's what it's all about. That's investing and, and, and it's like a derivative and you're taking on risk to do it. Get some understanding of investment before you go to sell persons um, this investment too because it's more or less just a Ponzi scheme. So I would say that book is a really good book for persons who want to be introduced to, to investment in its simplistic form. So say I work in another industry. Maybe I'm a doctor and that I've saved up some money and now I want to know what to do with that money. I don't want to get a degree in finance and trying to understand stocks and bonds gives me a headache. I don't have time for Dave Ramsey, YouTube, none of that. What do you recommend to people who want to start saving and investing? Is putting money in the bank the best way to save money? What, what are your thoughts? Um, I say start small and start with a more conservative type investment. I mentioned about the automatic um, savings in the last podcast as it relates to pension. So if you can, um, go to your company HR's department and allow them to automatically put your monies towards your savings tool. And if you're new to investment, what I tend to tell people who are new to it, because a lot of times what happens is traditionally people rely on term deposits. They will go get a term deposit at a bank, and that's how they save most of their monies. And they are a little skeptical about you know, investments because people lose so much of their money. So I start them off with conservative, the conservative type investment and let them become comfortable and build up. And then you can probably look at taking a portion of the monies and going into uh, the more riskier type investment. Not taking all of it, but a small portion to get comfortable with the various types um, of more riskier investments. Well, I think um, a lot of clients have expressed that the banks with the fixed deposits, they're not really seeing the interest that they used to in years gone by. So they're feeling this pressure to learn about investing. So the question really is, okay, how do I get something similar without taking on too much risk seems to be the question. So you're saying the low-risk investments, like what, our bond fund? The CFAL bond fund. Okay. Um, that's, we don't have any equities in that, and that's strictly fixed-income type investments. Or the CFAL money market fund is more shorter-term investment. It's comparative to what the banks offer, a slightly um, higher interest rate. I recommend, see, for me, when I started savings, I didn't use the banks. Because I've been working to CFAL for um, over 20 years, my first investment was in one of the CFAL funds. I put, um, that's my first bonus I'd gotten, it was like $4,000. I put that into one of the CFAL funds. So I've never used a bank to save. I've never had a term deposit. And now we have access to a lot of options. I would not get a term deposit, or use the bank to save. Now, for your emergency fund, I think the bank is a good way to start because you want to be liquid. You don't want to have to apply to subscribe and wait two to three weeks before you get your funds to subscribe to um, to redeem from a particular fund. So you would use the bank for, for money um, emergency type investments, very, very short term where you may need it on demand. Okay, so low risk then. Because, you know, um, once... 
clients know that you work at CFAL, they stop you in the food store, <laughs> they stop you out at dinner, you know, I have XYZ amount <laughs> saved, what should I do? Mm-hmm. You know, on the spot financial advisor. So that's a good way to end this one. So thank you so much, ladies. This has been another episode of our Saving Towards Financial Freedom. It's been wonderful. And thank you for joining us all today, our listeners. CFAL Talks wants to hear from you on what financial topics you would like our experts to discuss next time. Please send your suggestions to info at cfal.com or visit our website at cfal.com.